Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, thank you for tuning in to Chomping of the Bit. This is episode 35. This episode, we're going to take a look at the Thursday night football matchup. As tonight, the Falcons travel to Carolina to face the Panthers. We'll break down that matchup. Um, I'll give you the keys for each team to win, as well as obviously give you my prediction, because this will be the first of my weekly predictions. Give you a player to watch in the game, and then, of course, tease upcoming episodes. But before I get into that, I do want to address what happened in the World Series. You know, the last episode I did mention that the Dodgers won it all. Uh, They won it four games to two. So my prediction was correct. Dodgers in six. They gave the MVP to Corey Seager. Now, before the series, I picked Mookie Betts to win the MVP. But I did say, I think after game three, that Seager's definitely making a push for the MVP and ultimately he did win it I have no problems with that at all uh, Seager was he hit like 500 in the series he had a couple home runs and he always seemed to come up with that big hit for the Dodgers when they needed it not to say Betts didn't do that either but I, I agree with Seager getting the MVP so you know game 6 was another well played game in the series as uh, the Dodgers did win 3-1, to one, but Blake Snell, who started for Tampa Bay, was dominant. I mean, he he had nine strikeouts. He only gave up two hits. But for some reason, after Snell went five and a third, and then he gave up a hit to Austin Barnes in the sixth inning, Kevin Cash came out of the dugout, and Blake Snell knew what was going on because he looked at Kevin Cash he, I'm sure you've seen the image by now. You know, he rolled his eyes, turned his head. And he was like, oh, you know. So Cash comes out, takes him out for whatever reason. And the, mind you, they were up 1-0. There was already one out. Barnes just got a single. So they still had the lead. Snell had only thrown 72 pitches. And like I said, he still looked dominant. Now, Kevin Cash, after the game, he said, He didn't want Blake Snell to go through the Dodger lineup a third time, even though he was dealing. Mookie Betts, who was the following hitter, had terrible at-bats against Snell. I don't care that it's going to be his third time against him. The most Betts had done against Snell was a weak uh, ground ball that went foul. Other than that, he looked like he was confused. So I didn't, I didn't agree with the move whatsoever. And once again, he'd only thrown 72 pitches, so he definitely had more pitches left in his arm. But this is another instance of where analytics get in the way of the eyeball test. Watching the game, 
I could see, sure, he gave up the hit to Barnes, but you have to let him face Betts. Because Betts, you know, is the guy that gets that offense going. That's why he's the leadoff hitter. And he's a guy you want to keep off base. And Snell had shown that he was able to do that. Now, if he goes up against Betts, maybe gives up a single there, fine. If you want to make the move then, go ahead. You know, of course, all these decisions, hindsight's 2020, fine. But I still don't see why you take a guy who had already had nine strikeouts up to that point and you don't give him a chance to come back from giving up a simple single to the nine hitter. That doesn't make sense to me. And, of course, Cash brings in Anderson, who proceeds to give up the double, two bets, then throws a wild pitch, which brings in the tying run. Then he gives up an RBI ground out, which gives up the go-ahead run, ultimately the winning run. And the Dodgers go on to win it all. They win the game 3-1. So I think at this point, you are well within your right to question why Snell came out of that game. I mean, Cash has explained it. Give him credit for that. It's still a stupid move to me, but whatever. I mean, the Tampa Bay organization, they rely heavily on analytics. The analytics told them, you don't let your starting pitcher go through lineups the third time, so they took him out. But the even bigger story was after the game when we learned that Justin Turner, who was pulled out in the ninth inning, was taken out because he had tested positive for the coronavirus. So he had played the whole game with a test out there being positive. The message gets relayed to the Dodgers. Then they pull him. And then even to backtrack a little more. So he took a test Monday, I think Monday morning, came back inconclusive. He took a second test on Monday. They hadn't got the results for that one yet, but they allowed him to play. So he played with, I guess, that cloud over his head that he could actually be positive at the moment that he was playing. Like I said, came back positive. He's pulled from the game. He goes into the locker room and he's kind of chilling by himself. But then, of course, he realizes that they won the title. So he breaks the protocol, goes out onto the field to celebrate, no mask on. You know, he's up there kissing his wife, hugging players. Mind you, his manager is a cancer survivor himself, so he's an at-risk guy. He's out there amongst everybody. And, I mean, Turner was basically giving a middle finger to the MLB office because he was out there celebrating. And it just is the perfect end to an MLB, an MLB season where the MLB just had no plans going forward and how to deal with, you know, these COVID tests and all that. How you test a guy, it's inconclusive, and then you still allow that player to play is beyond me. So if it was inconclusive, then he should have sat out until the second test came back, which if it came back when it did, then fine use him you know if the second test came back and he was negative then go ahead use him as a pinch hitter late in the game if you have to but to have him out there only to find out he tested positive now you have your situation where are you gonna so now 
everybody who's out in the field celebrating with him got to do contact tracing quarantine. Of course, with the season over, it's easy to do that. But I think for him breaking protocol, there has to be some discipline going into next year. I mean, he is 35, so there's a good chance he may not even be on a roster next year. And maybe in his mind, he knew that. So that's why he did it. He just didn't care because maybe he's looking to retire after the year. If that's the case, I mean, do you? If you want to put everybody else in danger like that, hey, that's your prerogative. But I, when they made the announcement in the post game, I could not believe that he was allowed to play in the game. But, but anyway, congratulations, Dodgers. You know, you've won your first title in was it 32 years? I believe that last time won in. 1988 so congratulations Dodgers for finally getting over the hump after being in the World Series three of the past four years and coming up short so on to the main story of the episode we have Thursday Night Football tonight Falcons Panthers once again maybe not the best matchup on the weekly calendar but it is an important matchup for the Panthers, they are uh, sitting at three and three. They don't want to fall too far behind Tampa Bay, who's five and one. And then you still have the Saints in the mix. Falcons aren't really a major player in the division, but this is a game that the Panthers, if they want to make a playoff run, this is a game that they have to have. Because four and three looks a lot better than three and four. So McCaffrey, the star running back for the Panthers, was eligible to come off IR this week. But ultimately, the team made the decision that he will not play tonight. So, I mean, the Panthers have been playing without him for weeks now. That's no big deal to them. Um, but both teams, like I said, they're coming off losses. The Falcons, we all know. Another blown fourth quarter late game lead against the Lions so the question is how do they bounce back from that now being one in one in six yeah because they haven't had their bye week yet so they're one in six season is over at this point unless you believe they're going to run the table and get to ten and six I don't see them making a playoff so now there's got to be that mentality seeping into that locker room about what are we doing this for? Are there players who may go to the front office and demand trades because they want to go to a contender? Will we get to see some of the younger guys get more of an opportunity? What does Raheem Morris do with these nine games left on their schedule? You know, he is still auditioning for the job. I get it. So he wants to win as many games as he can. But you do, it could be a good selling factor if he can show uh, kind of what future Arthur Blank can look forward to. Maybe he finds a diamond in the rough in some of these young guys and their players that they can move forward with. So ultimately, you do want to see how they rebound from the tough loss with Detroit. Do they come out and play sloppy? It is a short week. I get it for both teams, but... Do they play sloppy or do they rally around again, put forth a strong showing 
get their second win of the year and then I guess get ready for the Saints come next week. Panthers are actually coming off a close loss to those Saints where they did at one point have a 17-14 lead. Then the game was tied 24 going into the fourth quarter. There was no scoring until midway through the fourth. Uh, Will Lutz hit a field goal to give the Saints a 27-24 lead and the Panthers were never able to put any more points on the board. So they went down 27-24. But like the Falcons, the Panthers are feeling like it was a game that they definitely could have won. And if they had won that game, just think of where they would be right now. They'd be 4-2 going into this matchup, looking at a chance to go 5-2, which would be, I mean, completely crazy to think about. But it was a definite possibility. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a rebound game for each team. You know, who can, on a short week, who can put aside a slow start, you know, come out, try to get maybe like a 10-point lead, and then maybe coast to a win. Because like I said, on a short week, the energy is going to be a little low. So which team can create their own, you know, energy in the locker room before coming out or on the sideline waiting for the game to start? Or maybe it turns into who makes the first big play that carries their team over the top going forward. So both teams, you know, they have... They both have running backs who average a little bit. They both average around four yards a carry. Uh, Todd Gurley is the bigger name. And with McCaffrey not playing, it's, you're going to see a lot of uh, Mike Davis in this game for Carolina. And we remember the last time they played, Davis had a great day on the ground. So I expect to see Carolina try to establish him early. And if he can find the same success that he found against the Falcons down here in Atlanta a few weeks ago, it could turn into another uh, time of possession game. You know, Mike Davis, heavy doses of him, sprinkled in with some Bridgewater play action. So, can the Atlanta defense... So, I guess, who does the Atlanta defense key key in on? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do they want to force Carolina to be in a ground team? I'd say no, because we saw it last time. They couldn't stop it. So if they bring too many guys close to the line, that the Falcons pass defense, which is already suspect to begin with, is now left open for Bridgewater to pick apart. And what we've seen more this year out of Bridgewater than probably any season other than like his first couple of Minnesota, he is willing to take more shots downfield because he's he kind of developed this reputation as a guy who does a lot of quick passes, short passes. But I have seen him several occasions, uh, you know, run like a 
uh, boot, leg to the left, off of play action, you know, buy some time, and then find a guy streaking downfield. And like I said, against this Falcons defense, those plays will be there. So that would be one thing to watch. If you see Carolina gaining, you know, four, five yards on the ground each carry, just know it's probably going to be a long day for the Falcons because all that's going to do is set up Bridgewater for play action, and he's he's one of the good ones in the league when it comes to play action passing. And he's usually pretty smart with the ball, so if the Falcons do get opportunities to create a turnover, they better take advantage of it, as you probably won't get that many against Bridgewater. Flip it. Um, I would say Atlanta should probably look to establish Gurley, but... I don't, it just seems like Gurley is a guy who he's most effective kind of on like on a limited pitch count. Like he's not a guy I want to see, you know, carry the rock 30, 35 times. He probably can't handle that either. But if you give him like 15 carries, I think he's probably his most effective. And if you can get him some of those down around the goal line fine he's a guy who can find the end zone which you saw at the end of the Detroit game when he wasn't supposed to but he can find the end zone and this pass offense can they get it clicking Um, because we saw their one win against Minnesota they were doing whatever they could offensively but each of the other games you know they've kind of been low mid 20s offensively and with the the names on this Falcons offense I'm sure Falcon fans are expecting this to be like a high scoring team so maybe tonight they you know can kind of find a way to get Gurley going mixing in some hill in the backfield um, spreading the ball around Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and uh, Zacchaeus. Also with Hayden Hurst, who had a pretty good game against the Lions as well. So like I said, the weapons are there for the Falcons to be successful. But that, that defense, they have to figure this thing out. That should be Raheem Morris's number one job. Yes, he was he was there with this defense that's been terrible, but Maybe he can figure out something that Dan Quinn couldn't. They brought in Dexter Fowler. He doesn't pressure the quarterback. The only defender that the Falcons have who has been worth anything this year is Grady Jarrett. But Grady Jarrett needs help because he's a defensive lineman. And a lot of defensive linemen can't really affect the game that much defensively because all the offense need to do is put like a second third offensive lineman to hit him and he gets slowed down that's why Fowler and the guys off the edge are supposed to get to the quarterback but they haven't been able to do that the linebacking core supposed to have speed but they can't seem to cover anybody the secondary is what it is it's terrible so can Morris come with some type of game plan to limit Carolina and not have this turn into a physical game where it looks like Carolina is just pushing Atlanta around. That's the last thing you need. 
after losing that game to Detroit last week. So the key for Carolina in this matchup is it's kind of a two-parter. You know, get Davis established on the ground because Davis had a stroke. He struggled against the Saints, but hopefully, you know, Carolina's hoping that he can find the success he had against the Atlanta defense the last time they played, which then makes it easier for Bridgewater to find guys, uh, you know, open over the middle down the field, whether it's Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson. Those are the two main weapons for Bridgewater. And watch Samuel as well because they will use him in the backfield sometimes too. For Atlanta, it's simple. Can the defense make a big stop in a big situation to help win the game? I don't care if they're making stops in the first quarter. Who cares? Comes fourth quarter, if it's a close game, crunch time, can the defense make a play to get off the field and whether they have the lead, you know, preserve it, or if they're down, get off the field, give the offense a chance to win the game late. Looking at those two right there, I would have more faith in Carolina being able to establish their physicality, get Davis going and Bridgewater to make smart plays in the passing game. I've given up on this Atlanta defense for weeks now, but hey, in this crazy 2020, you know, why can't they show up today? So my player to watch, I think Robbie Anderson might have a big game in this one. I could see him scoring a touchdown, having like a 40 plus yard catch at some point because like I said I'm expecting them to establish Davis and then I think Bridgewater is going to have you know one of those play action passes where he boots out one way to kind of create more distance between him and the defensive line that's probably not coming after him but either way and Anderson making like a double move getting open down one of the seams and Bridgewater putting it right on him. So he's our player to watch and even a bold prediction for this game. I do think Robbie Anderson has a 40 plus yard catch in this game. So my prediction for the game, um, Carolina comes into the game as a two and a half point favorite at home. I am picking Carolina in this one because with it being two and a half, it does make me more comfortable because I have this weird feeling that this game is going to be a tightly contested game going down to the wire. And I think it does turn into a field goal game, but I think Carolina pulls it out in the end. I'm looking at, uh, give me 24, 24 20 Carolina. Yeah. I can see it being like 21 20. Carolina's the ball. Drive down, get a field goal, make it 24 20. And like the Falcons coming up short and trying to get a touchdown to win it. So yeah, give me 24 20 Carolina in this one. So ultimately, looking at it on paper. It doesn't look like an intriguing matchup, but I think it will turn into a pretty good game. 
and yeah so i hope you do tune in and enjoy it so so yeah so that's my first prediction for the week um i do have five other games but we'll get into those in a later episode but also looking down the line this week um kd well, I almost led the show with this on uh, this episode, but I'm going to save it for probably the next one. KD made what I think might be the most blaf- blasphemous statement that I've heard in a while. And all I'll say is he compared Kyrie to a great guard and actually said Kyrie was better than him. So you have to tune in and find out who we compared Kyrie to and why I think it's just such a blasphemous statement. Um, also, we'll take a look at the NBA. Look at, so the NBA wants to start next season, Christmas week. Now we're starting to hear little rumblings out of players saying, if you want to do that, some of us, vet, some of the veteran players might not might not be ready to start the season so they may take it easy to start the season and we also have the players association chiming in so i'll get into that in a later episode um we'll also take a look at college football weekend you know see where the big matchups are and what we can gain I guess outlook wise going forward because it seems like ACC and SEC are kind of winding down. Big 10 is just taking off. Pac-12 hasn't taken off yet. We'll continue to try to make some make heads or tails over what's going on. And um, then also I think I will do at one point this week, early next week take a look at the MLS. The MLS season is winding down. I don't know how many of you are soccer fans, but I am I am a soccer fan, so I will touch on that. And then the question that I've always had with the MLS is could they ever achieve the popularity of the English Premier League or La Liga or whatever? The top leagues in the world. And plus by the time I get to the MLS, the regular season may be over, so we might might touch on playoff outlook and may I'll do some bracket predictions, but you know, that's down the line here. And, um, let's see what else. Also with the NFL going to the halfway point, uh, I will take a look back at the first half of the season and see, who's been the most surprising team as well as the most disappointing team. So say all that to, Oh, and then there's more NBA coaches getting hired. We got to touch on that as well. So there's a lot coming down the line. So definitely keep tuning in. Um, I'm trying to do trying to do an episode every day, but like today, you know, if I do miss a day or two, I will, I will try to double up on episodes. So you, We'll be getting a second episode today. Um, so definitely turn into tune into the last one where I talked about my week seven review and all that. And so, so definitely tune in for that. But 
Um, thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, like, subscribe, definitely comment. If you disagree with anything I talked about, like what was Justin Turner thinking and just walking out there after he knew he had tested positive. Our analytics getting in the way of managers and organizations judgment. And do you agree with me that Carolina wins the matchup against the Falcons tonight? Definitely comment if you would like. Um, but yeah, so, you know, subscribe, follow the show. As I said before, I'm definitely trying to do at least five episodes a week. I would like to get to the point where I do one every day. So try to give you as much content as I can. Um, those of you who have stuck around, definitely appreciate you as well. And, um, you know, stay safe out there. Thanks for tuning in again. And I will definitely, definitely, definitely catch you in the next episode. All right. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.